It's Halloween, and the Predators' performance this past weekend was very spooky. We'll have a haunting plus minus plus some Halloween fun on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free Nashville Predators podcast available on all platforms and on YouTube. I'm Waldo, where you can find me, because you need to find Waldo, is on thefourcheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I... I'm a giant hot dog, and I write and edit at InsideThePreds.com, but don't tell them, because this may not help. Yeah. yeah. For those of you not watching on YouTube who have zero idea what's happening, it's Halloween, yes. which means it's our costume podcast, because why not? Uh, thank you, folks on Locked On, for giving us paychecks every month. Um uh, mm. Let's talk about the Nashville Predators, shall we? Because if you want a scary story, just look at their return to North America this year. Ooh, blah. They want to suck at yeah. hockey. Yeah, this this is not this has not been an ideal start. And I think people are definitely kind of feeling at the end of their rope with this whole this whole start to the season and rightly so like kicked it off. Okay. In Prague. I mean, it was, I look back now, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I look back now and I see the wins over San Jose in a very different lens because I'm like, you know, we should have known when we didn't blow out San Jose. And I say this with love JD young, but when we didn't blow out San Jose in Prague by a significant amount that maybe we could have foreseen that there might be some trouble back in the real world. And, and, you know, there's some trouble in the real world. Like the predators lost Saturday to the Capitals three, nothing. It was a rough, it was a little bit rough. It was a little bit rough and the whole start in general, just painful. I mean, let's like, I'm not hanging up on the part that they didn't blow out San Jose. I mean, they took Tampa Bay to the limit the other night. Uh, they beat Toronto in overtime the other night. So it's not like, you know, it's not like they're like the mid-major coming in to play Alabama in like a give me football game. Yeah. Uh, they're still an NHL team. But I mean, I think there were, to your point, there were some... I would say maybe some red flags about how they were playing in those games mm-hmm. uh, that quite haven't been fixed, except yeah. for that St. Louis game last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, yeah, kind of kind of not great. Uh, let's start off with some plus minus, some phantom pluses to what we liked over the last week, and then some monstrous minuses. I'm going to run out of Halloween puns by the time this show is over. Uh, to you. what we didn't like about the Preds hockey this past week. And uh, let's be let's be positive. Let's start out with a plus. 
All right, I'm going to start out with a plus that's probably not going to land really well. It's going to land like a like a decapitated person's head with maybe some of the people in, you know, our our listen, you know, some of our listeners and some of the people in the Smashville Fanville venue kind of area. But my first plus is to John Hines. Now let me explain because, you know, I know how to explain this. I know you can't just you know, say I'm giving John Hines a plus. The team is below 500. No, here's here's why I'm going to give John Hines a plus. I know that people are down on John Hines, you know, and that when the team isn't performing well, part of, you know, part of what falls on the coach's plate is the heat. And so I understand that. Uh, I think people are frustrated with the, you know, the start for the season. They're frustrated with the lineups, the line changes, roster decisions, you know, the on ice product, all this kind of thing. Here is what I'm giving John Hines a plus for. John Hines is willing to share his thought process with the community, with the media, with the fans. And I don't think you can underestimate how big a plus that is here in Nashville. So he makes a decision, he explains it, he stands by it. You know what you're going to get with John Hines. Now, I understand that there are a lot of people that feel like what we're going to get from John Hines isn't going to lead to a Stanley Cup. And that's a different conversation to have. I would love to have that conversation sometime, but we're not doing that right now. That's going to be a three-part podcast. I mean, seriously. Um, You know, people may not agree with what John Hines is doing, but the fan base can at least say, I know where he stands. I understand where he's coming from. And John Hines is really consistent in his thought process and in his decision making. And this came after, um, you know, the St. Louis game. Uh, Cody Glass was bumped up to the second line and, it, you know, everybody was very excited by the third period. He just got like a two shifts, I think, on the ice and then really didn't play more. And when he was asked about it, he is extremely um, forthright about it and really went into a whole conversation of like, this is what I think happened. This is the conversation that I had with Cody Glass behind the scenes. The same thing happened when he was talking about switching up the defensive pairs. You know, he has a whole conversation. He is very transparent for an NHL coach, especially uh, about these are the decisions I'm making. This is what I'm seeing. This is why I'm going with what I'm going with. Nashville is an organization coming from a, a head coach whose explanation was lineup changes. Yeah. What the heck is going on with Kyle? Lineup changes. You know, so I think we need to give John Hines credit. You don't have to like him. You don't have to like the on ice product. You don't have to think John Hines is a winning coach, but I think it is a huge plus that Nashville Predators fans have a coach who is willing to be forthright and transparent and and honest and consistent about his thought process. So plus for John Hines and come at me, bro. Yeah, I mean, we saw it last year with, um, you know, because everybody was wondering what is Luke Cunning still doing on the ice when everybody else seems to be getting yeah. stretched. Uh, somebody kind of, you know, straight up asked him, you know, during a, a press conference towards the end of last year. And John Hines kind of went into very great detail about, mm-hmm. you know, how Luke Cunning plays versus how John Hines wants him to play and, you know, how, you know, in his mind, uh, what he's doing gives the Preds, you know, the best chance to win based on their strategy. Uh, obviously, it did not. But, you know, you appreciate John Hines having kind of the forthright to at least 
give us an explanation. And look, I'm not one of those people that are like, you know, we're the fans are entitled to something. Correct. But in in a lot of cases, somewhat we are. Um, just because, you know, this is a entertainment industry that is built around the fan base. Um, and you know, there, there's, you know, the coach doesn't have to go into details about everything about lineup changes and strategy and everything like that. But, you know, I think there, there are some cases that we can appreciate what something like what John Hines did with Cody glass this week, where it came out and, um, kind of spoke his truth. Um, and I'm going to give a plus, and this is this is not a facetious plus. This is a plus to UC Soros. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we picked up the loss uh, against Washington over the weekend, uh, I think you're starting to see the tide turn on UC Soros a bit. Uh, made 32 saves against the Capitals on Wednesday night. The only gave up two goals. The third was the uh, the empty netter by Alexander Ovechkin there at the end. Um, we were concerned about UC Saros kind of to start the season. You know, we were saying it's like he's kind of off to one of his notorious slow starts. Um, you know, kind of there's like a couple of saves that he would have made last year that he hadn't quite done it this year. Uh, and then in the past couple of games, uh, we've seen him kind of go back to old school UC Soros, 33 saves in the win over St. Louis, 32 saves uh, against Washington, including a couple of really good saves, like a couple of high danger chances. And these are starting to pile up a little bit over the past couple of games. And it's starting to give Preds fans that look uh, kind of, you know, what we saw mid-November last year when Soros really started to hone it in and kind of took the team over and became this game-stealing goaltender that willed the Preds to the playoffs. We're starting to see that again, and I think you're going to see a lot of these close games start turning in the Preds' favor because of UC Saros if he can keep this up. Yeah, the whole team seems to just get energy from UC Saros' strong performances, and I agree with you. Who we saw this week in net is that, you know, Vesna-nominated UC Saros, and some of the saves he had just, you know, lateral one side of the cage to the other, you know, just tracking the puck. Everything was so much better, and I know that we've been maybe not, you know, we've pointed out that, you know, it's been a slow start for Saros, but Again, hopefully this will spark something for the team because the Nashville Predators, as much as UC Saros can carry the team, this is a a Predators team that needs some other players to step up. For sure. And hopefully we will get some other players stepping up here shortly Mm -hmm. to kind of round out the game. Uh, Because if UC Saros is kind of playing as well as he has been, you know, you, you don't need to be a five goal, six goal a night team. Mm-hmm. You just need to have more than the other team, like three, four goals a night. UC Saros might be the guy that makes you say, that was, that's enough. Like, that is enough. Just give yeah. me enough to win the game. Uh, let's get to some minuses here in just one second, because there are plenty we can pick from over the past few days. We also have some Halloween fun Coming up here towards the end of the show, but first, I want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, BetOnline.net, your number one source for betting football this season. Uh, there is plenty uh, to get to 
with football. We have the first college football rankings coming up soon. We've got basketball season starting, and of course, hockey's in full swing. So for all your favorite leagues, you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, everything you need in terms of live betting, up to the minute scores, props, odds, lines, they got it all. And it's not just the big leagues, people. They got everything from MMA, boxing, golf, soccer, uh, including all your favorite Vegas casino games you can play as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Ann, let's get to some minuses from the Preds hockey for this past week. Yeah, so my first minus, after everything I just said about John Hines, I'm going to come back with a minus that questions something <laughs> that he did. All right. Um, but my first minus for this past week is that Ellie Tolvanen has been a healthy scratch in both the games this week. And I understand that John Hines is very big on line identity. And Ellie Tolvanen is kind of in that middle ground of like, he is not necessarily somebody who plays the same style as you know, a Michael McCarron or a Zach Sanford. Um, he's a little bit, he has a little bit more offensive dance to his game, but he also maybe isn't ready to play up on the second line. Maybe, I don't know. That's a whole nother conversation we could have, but it's hard for me to digest Ellie Tolvanen as a healthy scratch. When you look at his overall play, like I get that maybe it's hard to find a spot for him, but I feel like you are leaving, you know, you're leaving things on the bench that would be better on the ice. You know, he has a great, we've talked about this. He has a great 200 foot game. He's a very strong checker. He's a good defensive player. And he also generates some great offense. Doesn't mean that he necessarily, you know, we know last year he struggled to find the back of the net, but I just wish that they could find the right spot for Ellie Tolvanen because I think you're missing something when you have him off the ice. Um, it feels like Tolvanen adds something. So for me, I, I, I feel like it's a minus. We've got this player who does so very many things well and yet is is not in the lineup. So that one that one's tough for me. And again, I, I got to say, I'm not 100% sure where you put him unless Hines is willing to change the identity of that fourth line and make it more about, you know, kind of speed, skill, suave hockey sort of thing. And then I think that Tolvanen and Glass together, you know, with somebody else on there could be really, could be really uh, good, but it seems like he feels pretty strongly about how he wants that line to look and be constructed. And we got Ellie Tolvanen sitting, sitting in a suit. Well, I have, feel very strongly that you're going to have to change something um after this this start yeah. here's my thing with john hines and mm -hmm. um and uh, again this is this is a very weird conversation to have based on what we just said we appreciate him being open mm -hmm. because i understand his reasoning like i understand his reasoning i understand the reason he went you know sent phil tomasino back right. to the hl mm -hmm. i understand all of these reasons I just don't know if I agree with it. And it kind of goes back. I think you hit the nail the way you described it. You said it feels like he's leaving people out that could help the Preds win some hockey games. Yeah. As a head coach, 
you have to work with the players you have, not necessarily the players you want. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, this isn't, you know, Miracle on Ice, Herb Brooks, where, you know, you're going to miraculously find a hodgepodge group that's the right combination to win one game because that's basically what the Miracle on Ice team was, you know, kind of constructed for was just to put a team together that's beat Russia. This isn't that kind of thing. And I know a lot of people when they point are like, you know, this is, you know, we don't need the best players. We need the players that are going to fit the system the best. Y- you go back to probably February of March of last year and you have to look and it's like, are these, are, are, is the system working? Like, is this, yeah. is this really kind of the system? And look, Credit to Cole Smith, credit to Michael yes. McLaren, credit to Zach Sanford. But would you rather have, you know, eight to 10 minutes of these guys, you know, a game? Or would you rather have a, another combination that can play more of a scoring fast type of game? Mm-hmm. Would you rather have, you know, a fourth line? That's really kind of your third line, your third scoring line, go out there and get some offensive chances. And here's the thing. It's like, well, that, you know, takes away some, like if for people that are going to say like, this takes away some of the predators grit. No, it doesn't. You have the herd line. That's like your identity line right there. Like, I feel like we're coming into a stage in which John Hines has to kind of give up his vision of what the team should be look at the roster, look at how well some of these players are performing and, you know, what they offer and be like, okay, we, I, I, the head coach need Mm -hmm. to kind of reevaluate what I'm doing here. Do you think nine games into the season, is that where we're at? Because this is what, this is one of the things that I wrestle with. I think because you know, St. You... Louis looked really good, didn't it? Like, yes. So what, like, what, what do we have here? Like, does John Hines' system work when everybody is firing on all cylinders, or is there a system in place that can eke out some wins? Like you said, maybe reconstruct a fourth line and a different look that could eke out some wins better. You know what I'm saying? Like, where are we at? We're in this very ambiguous phase of the season where it's like you're only nine games in now these nine games have not been great games but at what point do you pivot what at what point do you really and he's still tinkering with the lines how long do you leave these lines together to see if they're getting if they get going or at what point do you go okay we're going to start all over again and I think we're in that murky space right now in the season and and you know I'm I'm everybody's like you know got a solution to it but i think man it's really hard where the predators are at and how they're performing especially with the st louis game because that throws a monkey wrench in the whole logic because they did do well so it's like where where are we do y'all know where we are you gotta look at body of work uh obviously we're kind of hoping st louis would be like the pivot the turnaround be like this is Mm -hmm. how we can play if we play uh Mm -hmm. but if you're if you're going another week or so in and you're not following up on that performance you had against St. Louis, like they didn't follow up Saturday, then I think that's when you have to kind of reevaluate things. And look, uh, the Preds have a Western conference road trip this week. 
uh, mm-hmm. including tomorrow, a team that they have historically not played well against uh, over the past little bit. Uh, and then next week, the, the last game of the road trip is Colorado. Yeah. So there's your test right there. This this is a two-week road trip. I think if the Preds don't get what they want out of this road trip, I, I think that is the time to reevaluate things if you're John Hines. Uh, and again, like like you said, there is a lot of conversation we can have uh, about John Hines. Uh, I certainly have a lot of thoughts on this. That feels like that is you know a different podcast for a different day. Uh, one that may come up rougher than Hex Bad Predators loss, uh, and one that I'm not wearing a hot dog costume for. Yes, yeah, I feel like I feel like that would hit a little bit different. Um, <laughs> I let's get let's get to my minus and. Yes. Uh, and I am going to have to uh, kind of come down on the Predators power play, who, again, looked good against St. Louis and then against Washington on Saturday, took a step back, like yes. a big step back, 0 for 5 on power play chances. And here's the thing, Ann, when we were talking about the Preds power play this year and kind of some of the struggles, what did we say? We said that they still looked like they did last year. It was just little mistakes, little like, you know, couldn't get puck in high danger areas, um, you know, like just would make one extra pass, kind of sloppy, but the bones of a good power play were still there. That's not what we saw on Saturday. Saturday was like 2018 to 2021 Preds power play. That was the not a lot of movement. That was the kind of standing around, kind of lackadaisical pass around the outside until you, you know, just kind of run out of time and settle for, you know, a one-time shot from, you know, the high circle or from the blue line. That, that is what happened. That is the old school Preds power play, but not in a good way, Ann. Not yes. at all. And look, I, I do think you have to give some credit uh, to the Washington penalty killing unit because I thought they did a very good job kind of keeping things to the outside. Uh, but it also didn't look uh, like they were challenged a whole lot during that game, um, not in the least bit. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it, and it's they lost one of their best defenders in John Carlson right at the start of the game. So they were playing a man down for five uh, penalty kill chances and they pretty much maintained the Preds, like kept them outside. Preds did not look very threatening at all in either of those five power plays. Yeah. They really could not get anything generated. Like you said, in the high danger chances. And it's so frustrating because I feel like we've said it, it's been looking good. They just, you know, and I know that we're not doing well percentage wise on the power play and all of that, but, they're doing the right things. And then Saturday really felt like you said, it was just a peripheral shifting of the puck. Well, you know what? Nobody cares if you do that for two minutes, nobody's scared. Yeah. So yeah, Uh, not great. No. And that's something that I think has to be, that's like the one first concern I had. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, it seems like they're regressing. I I don't know, you know, I am not in the locker rooms. And so I would hate to say like the word panic, 
but it just kind of seems like remember like back in in kind of the the laviolette days or like the early days of john hines um you know i think we we use the term it's like they haven't had like the laviolette beat out of them or it's just like yes. you know they have this game plan it works and then it doesn't work and they panic and kind of revert to like what's what's the easy like the easy yes. way uh but the easy way is is not working for you uh so yeah. That's that is a, a slight concern that they seem to take a little bit of a step back there. Yeah, they're definitely going to need to address that. And look, got some really fun games coming up where they could do that. Of course, Nick and I are optimists. We're you know we don't want to end on a negative. So when we come back in just a second, we are going to talk about one. You know, we're going to get one more positive, and then we're going to go super sweet, my friends. We're going to yep. talk about the Nashville Predators and Halloween candy, and it's going to be amazing. But first, want to thank you for making Locked on Predators your first listen today, especially as we sit here looking like we're looking. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, but when you are done with this episode, if you still feel like maybe you haven't caught up on all the sports going on, you need to go make your second listen game to game NHL. It has every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game is going to cover every game from across the league with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. You can follow game to game on locked on NHL. It's available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. All right, and one more plus one more plus. All right, let's see here. Where's my, I had a, several minuses. Go to my pluses. Okay, I am going to give a plus for somebody who is actually not in Nashville, but who deserves the fattest plus of the week. And for me, that is Yaroslav Askarov. <laughs> I mean, first of all, y'all, Yaroslav Askarov is the most endearing hockey player that has ever laced up skates. And that's just what's real. He is an endearing guy. Um, playing his first couple of games in North America, didn't get a win, finally got his first professional win in North America this week, followed it up by a second overtime win for the Milwaukee Admirals, which is so exciting, I think, for the Predators, for the franchise, but also just to see how delighted he was. But I am going to give this plus, not just for his on-ice play, but for his Halloween costume, because Yaroslav Askarov dressed as Borat for Halloween, and it was so incredibly amazing. So if you check him out, uh, if you follow him like on Instagram, if you don't, go do that, because it will delight the fire out of you. Just, I love Askarov. I, I love what he brings on ice. I know he's a young player. Don't want to speak anything over him because I think, you know, there's a lot, I think you can see with Ellie Tolvin and there's a lot that comes with having a reputation as a young player for something. And so we don't, we will let his career develop as, as it develops and all that, but it's really wonderful to see him have his first professional North American wins and to see him dressed as Borat nailed it. Like yeah. nailed it. It was amazing. And not only uh, got his first North American win, got a point. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I just want him to get a goalie goal sometime. Like this is somebody who yeah. who would be fun to watch getting a goalie goal. 
Yaroslav Askarov wouldn't have like the Pekarene goalie gold. Yaroslav Askarov <laughs> seems like the guy that would have like, like get it in like the slot and like stick handle past a bunch of people and do like some kind of spinorama before beating the opposing goalie yes. top shelf. That seems more like a Yaroslav Askarov goalie goal. Yes. And he would a hundred percent skate down the bench. Like he would probably like slide on his stomach and then skate yeah. down the bench for the high fives. Yeah. He would okay. handle it maybe the differently. The celebration would be the best. It would one. be amazing. Yeah. All right, Anne, it's Halloween. We it are is. not, we are not dressed as Waldo and a hot dog for no reason. So say. let us go back into our little creativity hats. And uh, one I'm actually wearing. We are going to compare some Preds to Halloween candies. You know, we've done this before. We did a Thanksgiving special where you compared Preds uh, to Thanksgiving dishes. This time, we're making it sweet. Halloween candy. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interesting discussions about the tiers of <laughs> Halloween candy. Um, but but yeah. And let, let's let's start us off, shall we? All right. So I'm going to start off with a candy that has become more popular just within the last little while. This was not a candy when I was growing up, but I'm going Sour Patch because everybody loves Sour Patch Kids. Everybody loves them. And, you know, they start out and they make you go like, mm, I don't know about this. And then all of the sudden it becomes this delightful candy experience. And for me, Mark Borvietsky is the Sour Patch Kid of the Nashville Predators. He has this reputation for being an enforcer. He's this tough guy. He's a fighter. You know, he just looks like he's seen some things, you know. Um, but, you know, he underneath all of that is is somebody who this team loves. His teammates speak so highly of. He is, you know, not at all what he seems on the surface. I think people could make some pretty quick snap judgments about Borvietsky, but you know, this is somebody getting his history degree. He is a family man. He loves his teammates. He is a leader. He is a mentor. And, you know, this is somebody who is a huge proponent for mental health in the NHL, which is not, you know, this is, this is, you know, pretty unique niche thing happening in the NHL. And Mark Borbietsky is, is leading that. And so for me, like you think you're going to get one thing with Mark Borbietsky and it turns out to be this amazing, amazing, sweet, wonderful treat in the end. And so for me, he is totally the sour patch kid of the Nashville predators. He is the definition of the first they're sour, then they're sweet. Like that little commercial. Yes. Uh, he's the guy that would kick your butt in a fight and then drive you to the hospital and <laughs> you all about ask you all about like your life goals or something like that. Something yes. very wholesome. Uh I'm gonna go two, Anne. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go two and one because they kind of combat each other. Roman Yossi is the Reese's Cups of the Nashville Predators because the Reese's Cups are the elite Halloween candy. That is the one you absolutely want in your bucket. That's the one you eat first. That's the one that you are most hyped to get. And Roman Yossi is that guy. You are most hyped to have him on your team. But Reese's doesn't just make Reese's Cups. They come out with Reese's miniatures. The little, the little guys. These are the ones like, okay, it's not a full Reese's cup, but hey, you know, they're little bite size and it's still Reese's just in like a smaller form. 
gonna give that to Alexander Carrier because Love. he, I think, is a little Yossi. He's got a little Yossi in him. Uh, he does a lot of the same thing Roman Yossi does, just on kind of a smaller scale. We've talked about it him many times about him kind of stepping up and taking the next role in his career. Uh, I think a perfect kind of compliment uh, to some of the other players in that top six. Uh, uh, yeah, so Alexander Carrier, your Reese's miniature to Roman Yossi's big Reese's Butter Peanut Butter Cup. Okay, what is so funny is Roman Yossi is definitely my Reese's Peanut Butter Cup as well. It, yeah. it is. It's the elite candy. My husband, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, cause a whole thing in our house for Halloween because my husband calls that his dad tax. So the kids always knew when they were little, they had to pay a tax. You know, he would say, look, you know, I got to pay taxes to the government once a year. Once a year, you have to pay your dad tax. And they all had to give him a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That's that's definitely fair, right? It's fair, but it's just a little bit wrong. Yeah. All right. Uh, give us another Halloween candy. All right, I am going to go with the very traditional candy corn. This is divisive. Oh. Candy corn is divisive. Put a poll out there and actually Brock's, the company that makes it, re replied with a hard yes that candy corn is a positive candy. But there are definitely some people who don't think candy corn is great. I saw somebody say it was a decoration. Somebody accidentally ate one time and now look where we're at. Michael McCarron is the candy corn of the Nashville Predators. Not everybody loves it. It's pretty <laughs> divisive. People want to squawk about it or defend it. But here's what's real. You know exactly what you're going to get with candy corn. Like there are not a myriad of flavors. It is straight up colored sugar. You know exactly what you're going to get. It is not a complicated candy. And that is Michael McCarron's game. Like you know exactly what you're going to get when you put Michael McCarron on the ice. And, and again, a podcast for another day. I think people need to maybe be a little less disappointed in the candy corn of the Nashville Predators. But again, we'll save that for another day. But for me, Michael McCarron. And he is uncomplicated. You know exactly what you're going to get when you put him on the ice. And sweet baby Jesus, that boy is divisive amongst the fandom. He is quite divisive, man. That is definitely for sure. Uh, love that one. Definitely the candy mm. corn. Um, let's let's go Reese's or not Reese's. Let's go Hershey. Just the straight up Hershey oh, bars. Yeah. These are these are like the OG. These are the original one. They're not flashy. But you know what you're going to get each and every time you have it. And that is Mikhail Granlund. Look, yes. he's not for 40 goals like the like the take five bar that is Philip Forsberg uh, or I, I don't know, like what's the Milky Way of uh, Matt Duchesne. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not going to be nominated for all the awards like the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. But, you know, when it's in your basket, you know, it's going to be a solid eat every time you're like, you know what? It's not as flashy, but man, this is this is a solid addition to the candy bowl when you have that just plain old hershey bar it complements everything else so well it is a good solid base just like i think mikhail granlin is a good solid base to have in that line he's a very smart straight edge player uh he's not going to get too aggressive he's not going to get too lackadaisical he is going to kind of be the baseline to which everybody can kind of know 
you know, how to play. They know where he's going to be so they can adjust their games accordingly. That is the definition of a Hershey bar, my friends. Yep. And I would be willing to say that Mikhail Granland is one of the Predators' top three players. Definitely right now. But yep. just for what he brings to the ice, this team would be so different. You know, it'd be different if you lost Roman Yossi. It would be different if you lost UC Saros. This team would be different if you lost Mikhail Granlin. So he is a Hershey bar. He's a full size. He's no miniature Hershey either. Oh, yeah. He's the full size. He is a full size. Uh, we're running out of time. So we got time yep. for one more, Anne. All right. My last one is going to be the Kit Kat. Now, I'm going with Tanner Genoa as a Kit Kat. And let me explain why. When you eat a Kit Kat, have you ever, ever in your entire life seen somebody open a Kit Kat and then just bite it? No, that's because psychopaths. That's, that's barbaric. That is ridiculous. It would never happen. What do you have to do with it first? You have to break it. That's Tanner Janot on the ice. What does Tanner Janot do first on the ice? He breaks things. Like it, you could, you know, he has the talent and he has the ability to just be a skater and a goal scorer to play solid, responsible defense. But Tanner Janot is always going to go that extra step and, and just be a bit more aggressive before we get to kind of that amazing uh, playmaking ability. He is going to break things. He is going to snap something. And so for me, you know, Tanner Janot is best enjoyed when he is breaking things, just like a Kit Kat. <laughs> <laughs> he snaps the other people on the team. Uh, <laughs> is he is he the left Kit Kat or the right Kit Kat? That's the Twix. No, there's they're coming. They're oh, coming. that is that's the it's okay. The the advertising Twix. is Twix, but the Kit Kats come in multiple ones. Don't they come in a? They come four all together, right? Is it fourth? I don't know. I should. Two is the miniature. I don't know. Well, you know what we should it's do? We should do some we're research. Gonna to, we're gonna have to go get a Kit Kat and find this out, right? Yeah, we don't want to be wrong. We should research. Yeah, we should watch stuff our face with candy for the rest of the day. <laughs> we'll report uh, back tomorrow. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you, everybody, for making Lockdown Predators your first listen of the day. Be sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with an all-new episode. We'll see you then, everybody. Cheers.